welcome to the Rewelding podcast with your host, Ella Cottrell. This is a conversational style interview series where I speak to women who are focused on rebuilding oppressive and outdated systems for collective transformation. Rewelding is a socialist term that refers to reconstructing the world or attempting to view it differently. I'm interested in being a conduit for social change, sharing resources and bringing ideas to life that facilitate the evolution of new systems founded on cooperation, equity and community. I'm a feminine embodiment guide, somatic trauma educator with an honours degree in psychology, helping women build safety, sovereignty and autonomy in their bodies. Thank you so much for being here with me as we work together to reimagine a new radiant world for all bodies. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Rewelding podcast. Before we jump in and I start to introduce today's guest, I wanted to just kind of introduce a bit of a caveat to today's episode. As you'll hear me share quite frequently throughout this episode, this is something that I really never thought that I would share publicly. It's something that I thought, you know what, I've accepted it in my own life, I've shared it with whoever I need to share it with and it doesn't go beyond that. And um, throughout, you know, the last few years, it's been really challenging for me dealing with these consistent outbreaks and it's forced me to reconcile with the stigma and the shame that I had around my relationship to my herpes diagnosis and my herpes status. So um, through this episode, you'll really start to hear how knowledgeable our guest is today. But before we kind of jump into that, I really wanted to just say like, This is a tender topic for a lot of people. Um, You know, herpes diagnoses can lead people to think about suicide. And maybe if you're listening and you think, oh, that is just so dramatic. Why would anyone do that? You know, you really don't understand the weight of this stigma until it's thrust upon you in that way. And so I just want to say, like, if you're going through reoccurring episodes if you've just been diagnosed or if you're struggling with your diagnosis I completely understand I'm here for you and if you're not quite ready to get to that acceptance phase and move on with your life I get it I really really get it and so I just wanted to say that piece around like it's really hard and I don't want to brush over it I don't want to make it out to seem like oh this is really easy like let's move on with our life because It's something that, again, as I'll speak on in this episode, I have struggled with so much. Every time I got an outbreak, it was another reminder that I had herpes and it would send me kind of crashing and burning and feeling all of this renewed shame again. And it's just not how I want to live my life. It's not how I want other people to live their lives. At the end of the day, this is really just a skin condition. And when we learn how to manage our conditions and how to keep our body feeling healthy and nourished it's something that we really 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 can live with in a very easy way and the more that we normalize this and have conversations around this the more that we break the stigma something that I forgot to touch on in this episode I was watching an episode of the bold type which is this kind of comedy drama of three young women growing up in New York and in one of the episodes I think it was season four episode four very, very briefly, one of these girls is talking about how she got tickets to a sex club, but unfortunately she's having a herpes flare up and she can't go anymore. And the person responding was like, oh, that's so annoying. You know, I commend you for your restraint. And that was it. And I remember in that moment, I was like, oh my God, a wave of 
shame just kind of got released from my body because I saw this media representation finally of herpes that wasn't something as damaging as don't forget herpes is for life you know um you know we hear all those herpes jokes we are the butt of a lot of jokes and so this is how we start to claim ourselves back how we start to say this really isn't a big deal this really doesn't need to feel like this and so um i really think that these conversations are so incredibly healing and i i want to stop leaning away from things that i think might be too uncomfortable or too challenging because this is really the work of this podcast is to start to bring to life and start to reworld oppressive and outdated systems such as sti uh, stigma. So if you're listening, if you're having a hard time, I hear you, I'm with you, feel free to send me a message uh, on Instagram, you can send me an email, whatever feels good. I'm here, I'm listening, I completely understand the struggle and there is a way for us to move through this and I really do believe in the next 10-15 years we're going to look back on the herpes stigma thing and be like, that is so ridiculous, I can't believe that we thought that. So, you know, we each have a responsibility um, and an opportunity to start to liberate some of this stuff from from our bodies, from our lives and and to pave a different uh, cycle. So that's all I want to say to that. So I'm just going to start and introduce today's guest. So today's guest is none other than Shana Singleton. Shana is an author, educator, and herpes transformational coach. With a focus on breaking the herpes stigma, Shana is passionate about creating a world where people living with herpes can embrace their true selves and live with confidence. Recognized for her work, Shana has been featured in notable publications such as BuzzFeed, Brute, and Hashtag Our Stories. She founded the Slay the Stigma movement, initially addressing the needs of herpes-positive women. Witnessing the struggles and challenges faced by individuals within private Facebook groups, Shana took action to change the narrative. The movement has evolved into Hey Cousins, a brand that offers a supportive community and resources for all individuals impacted by herpes. Throughout her coaching and content creation, she has received numerous testimonials, building a herpes community with over 370,000 followers on TikTok, where she is known as the herpes goddess. Her impactful work extends beyond coaching as she actively engages as a member of the National Coalition for Sexual Health, contributing to nationwide efforts in promoting sexual health education and well-being. Shana has cultivated a substantial online presence with that huge TikTok following, 27,000 followers on Instagram and 8.7 thousand followers on Facebook, also a private Facebook support group of 4,000 members and 6,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's when you know the work is really needed. As the founder of Slay the Stigma LLC and a United States Army veteran, Shana Singleton continues to make a profound impact in breaking the herpes stigma and empowering individuals to transform their lives. I'm really not joking. This episode was everything that I needed when I was diagnosed at 18. Shana's energy is so beautiful. The minute she got on the call, I was like, I love this woman. Everything that she brought to the space was so beautiful. She's so informed. She's so well-educated. And I really can't speak highly enough of what she does in this world. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. If you have any feedback, if you love the episode, please feel free to give it a five-star rating. It really helps boost the podcast. Um, And again, if you wanted to chat or drop a message, I'd love to talk to you. All right, enjoy the episode. Awesome. Well, welcome, Shana. Welcome to the Rewilding Podcast. It's so exciting to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, me too. And I know as we were kind of just sharing um, before we press record, like this for me today is like almost a bit of a healing space for me. Like it's, it sounds silly, but it's almost like this feels really almost like spicy. Like I never would have thought that I would address something like this on my podcast or in public where people could see it. And I think for context, I want to maybe like set the foundation around like how I found you, why we're having this conversation today and why it's so important to me. Um, When I was 18, so I was, I'm 27 now almost, I'm turning 27 next week. So almost 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with genital herpes and it was probably the worst day of my life. You know, I had that very normal reaction that people seem to have, which is like, my world is ending. My sex life is gone. I'm like a gross leper that no one's ever going to talk to. Like, how am I ever going to go on living? And, you know, through that experience, I thought I did a bit of work on it. I watched people who had herpes talking in the space. And I was like, okay, for the most part, I feel like I can move on with my life. I was getting about one to two outbreaks a year. And I was kind of like, okay, we can deal with this. Fast forward to about two years ago, I started to get recurring outbreaks. So when I say recurring, I mean like every single day, (laughs) like really, really intense. I tried Valtrex and that kind of worked for a little bit and I was just suppressing it. I tried to change my lifestyle and then it got to the point um, earlier this year where like Valtrex wasn't even working, like they were just kind of coming through. And I know you've kind of heard a little bit of similar stories in your space but I was just like at my breaking point I'm like this is literally the worst thing that's ever happened to me you know like and I realized through that I had a I had a dinner with a friend who also has genital herpes and she was saying like girl like take a minute you've got to look into this like stop ignoring it stop trying to push it away like it's time like look at what is happening here and I thought yeah shit she's right I gotta sit with this for a minute And so through that, I came to you and you were on a podcast with Beck Antonucci, who is also a stigma advocate, amazing podcast. And I was listening to your podcast about how you guys were saying like, herpes is not a big deal. It didn't ruin my life. Here I am living a a great life and having a good sex life. And I was like, so upset to hear that because I'm like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. How could you say that it's not a big deal? And that's when I knew, okay. I got to look into this. Like there's a wound here. There's a shadow wound here. Like I'm getting triggered. I've got to look into this. And that just started my journey of like feeling how much shame I had around this. Like I considered myself a really liberated woman and I had not spoken to most of my friends about this. You know, no one knew publicly. And I always just like kept it hush, hush, like under the rug, you know, and I only spoke about it with a few friends. And so through this experience, you know, I'll kind of fast forward a bit, but I realized my cortisol is too high. My stress is too high. The way I think about this virus is like very wrong. It's not evil. It's telling me that there's something wrong here. And my outbreaks have stopped and I haven't had an outbreak in two months, which is like, for me, I'm like, oh my God, that's like the best news ever. And so, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And so now I'm like, okay, cool. I'm starting to see it here. And I think this is why I was like, I love Shana's work. She does just such amazing advocacy and you are the perfect person to bring on for this discussion. 
And so I kind of wanted to pass it over to you now and talk about like, you know, how that lands for you, but also like, what's your journey with having herpes and how did you move through a lot of the shame that just seems to be there as soon as the diagnosis comes through? Well, thank you. I have a little bit of a different story. Mm -hmm. When I found out I had herpes, it's the same day I found out I was pregnant with my son. Wow. So I was dealing with not only finding out I had herpes, but learning that I was becoming a mother. I was in the United States Army at the time, and I was dating someone higher ranking, which you're not supposed to do in the Army. So there was a lot of stigma that came along with my pregnancy. So I was depressed before I found out I was pregnant. I was depressed before I found out I had herpes. I was even more depressed throughout my pregnancy. And then once I had my son, that postpartum depression hit on top of my depression. So herpes, I always say it was just a cherry on top Mm. of what I was already going through, you know? And I didn't really face the stigma until I was ready to date again. Like I said, I was just becoming a new mom. So dating wasn't top priority. And even thinking about having to tell somebody I had herpes that I wanted to be intimate with wasn't top priority. So when I came across that, I realized, oh, man, I Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to tell someone I have herpes. I'm afraid to be rejected. I'm afraid to be talked about, looked down upon. I feel dirty. I feel unwanted. I feel like no one's going to want me as a single mother who has herpes. I went through all the feels. I went through an experience when I didn't disclose. I went through an experience when I'm practicing celibacy because I'm too afraid to disclose. I went through an experience when I met someone that I really, really, really enjoyed, but I sabotaged the relationship because I didn't want to tell them that I didn't have herpes. Every woman I've spoken to, I can see myself within them. So I just gotten to the point where I didn't want this for myself anymore. I was sad more than I was happy. And I started to see it in my son. And when I was sad, he was sad. When I was happy, he was happy. And my son was sad most days. Mm. Change. And that was my start in my healing journey. That is when I started, you know, asking myself the hard questions, looking in the mirror, why am I feeling this way? When was the first time I felt this way? Taking accountability for what I felt. I had made a decision that everything up until this point, I don't care how much I feel like someone has done me wrong. It's all on me because I lack self-love. So that was kind of the start of my self-love journey. A lot of what you see in front of you, the confidence with herpes, it's less to do with my herpes and more to do with all the insecurities I had before my herpes. Herpes just kind of brought it to the surface. Mm -hmm. Before my herpes, I was confident because the world said I was pretty. The world said I had a nice body. The world said I was educated. The world said I had a nice career. And then I find out I have herpes and... I still have all these things going for myself, but my confidence is gone. My confidence had been false. Mm. 
ever since. Mm. But now I need to figure out what is what does confidence look like for me? Do I equate my worth to what I have to offer in between my legs? And if that is the case, what is my worth? What do I love about me? That was the start of my journey. Mm, yeah, and I think so many people can really relate to that. And as you're talking, it's like, yeah, Hubby's was just the cherry on top of what was already going on. Like, I know for me, it was very much like that sense of rejection and abandonment. And it was like, it already just brought everything to the top. And I think I heard you speak about this in a podcast. It's like, you were like, how was your life before herpes? Like when you got herpes, how was your life? Was everything going really well? You were like smashing it. You know, you're feeling really good inside yourself. Like a lot of self-love, like how's your life going before then? And I was like, damn, (laughs) so true. You know, for me, it was like such a wake up call. Like, what are you doing? You know, like wake up like enough of this because I was just projecting a lot of my self-love and validation onto the people that would sleep with me. You know, like there was a deeper issue going on there. And that's why it hit so hard because I was like, but this is how I get love. Sex is how I get validation. So like, what do I do now? How do I get my validation, right? And so I think it's really important to talk about like energetically, like what herpes can signify to people. Would you be able to like speak on that a little bit more about what you've seen as well? Herpes for a lot of people, they just feel like I I do these discovery calls on a daily basis. And a lot of women kind of just feel like my sex life is over. Who is going to want me? I'm have I'm I'm not worthy of love anymore. Someone's gonna think I'm disgusting. Someone's gonna think I'm undesirable. I feel undesirable now. Um, how do I go about telling someone? A lot of people kind of just sink into their own thoughts and their beliefs. Um, it's it's a hard experience to go through, especially when you haven't started your healing journey before starting out that you have herpes because you're unaware of what you're doing to yourself. I say this to my clients all the time. When you find out you have herpes, the herpes is not what changes your life. Mm-hmm. It's your knowing that changes your life. The herpes was already there. That's why you tested positive for it. And before you tested positive for it, it was there. It didn't change your life. You knowing that you have herpes is what changes your life. That's what ruins your life. Mm-hmm. Because you find out you have herpes and then you start to bully yourself. You start to tell yourself you're dirty, you're worthless, you're undesirable. No one's ever going to want you. You're never going to find anybody. And you you replay that so much. And then you back it up with so much emotion, your heart brain. And then you start creating this narrative in your life. You create the herpes stigma in your life. And you don't give your subconscious mind even any room to look for anything outside of herpes being anything negative for you. And I I totally, and as you're speaking, it's like we then perpetuate the stigma cycle through our own lives and through our own bodies. The very thing that we're trying to get rid of, we continue to perpetuate because, like, this is gross, this is disgusting, I'm gross, this is disgusting. I know for me, when I got diagnosed, I was like, this is my punishment for being a sexually liberated woman. I was like, this is what I get for thinking that I can transgress the bounds of like what 
is, you know, okay and not okay for womanhood. And so it's, again, it's that story of like herpes doesn't mean anything until you give it a meaning, until you attach something to it. It's literally just a skin condition and it's super fucking common. And yet we take this thing and we're like, this is so bad. And I'm wondering like, if you can speak to the stigma, like what do you think is actually how did we get that stigma there in the first place? And why do we feel like herpes is just like the worst thing in the world? I mean, STDs as a whole just get a bad rep, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, sexually transmitted disease. And before HIV had all of these advancements, right? It's now like safe to be with someone who has HIV. But when HIV came out and people were passing away when HIV turned into AIDS, that created a lot of fear around not only Mm. just HIV, but around STDs as a whole. And I feel like the stigma really comes from the whole HIV era. That's when we start really seeing ill STD, run away, you're going to pass away, you're going to die, you don't want to get, you know, just those negative Mm. things. And even now, like, Someone with HIV can be undetectable and safe to sleep with. Like they're li- they're living full lives. Someone who is diagnosed with even AIDS are living full lives. It's not that big of a deal as it was when it first came out. But I don't think we ever got in the way from mm. that. I don't think we ever recover from that. And that's not much. That's not you know here in the United States. A doctor gets 10% of every pill they prescribe, every bottle That's of pills. That's so crazy. Right? So, like, wow. <laughs> antivirals for herpes, there's a lot of money in that, right? Mm. You know, let's, let's pump in, let's, let's fuel that stigma even some more so that mm. we can, you know, keep keep the money circulating when it comes to these pills. So I really believe that the stigma was birthed from that. Mm. But I feel like the stigma stays alive because of us, the people living with herpes. Mm. We Mm. cannot expect people outside of ourselves to think differently about us if we're all sad about it. Oh my gosh, I'm sad. No one's going to want me. Um, I hate this. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. You have a whole community of people saying this. How could you expect somebody without herpes to think anything different? Mm. look at you mm. <laughs> look how you're living it has to be horrible it has mm. to be this bad thing so I don't think the stigma is ever going to be broken until everybody within the community works on their own stigma and how they stigmatize themselves until everybody within the community starts to address the bully in the mirror mm. so powerful and that's what I was having those conversations with myself when I was like if I decide to keep this silent and I have a platform, I have a community, I had this is what I do. Like I address like injustices. I talk about how we can reshape the world and like have, you know, opportunities to interrupt the dominant system. And yet I was just like sitting on it. I'm like, no, nah, I can't talk about it. And that's just how intense it was. And I was like, I have a choice here. Like, it's really not about me. Like, do I actually want to internalize and believe that this, that STIs in general, but herpes in particular is like the worst thing that could ever happen. And people are really dirty. And it's like this horrible thing. No. You know, when I think about my other friends who have genital herpes, do I think that about them? 
No, <laughs> it doesn't change the way that I think about them at all. Okay, interesting. It must be about me. And so we have a choice and I think also a responsibility to start challenging the way that we internalize the stigma. And I think as well, on top of everything that you've so wonderfully shared, I also think it comes down to like sex, because when we're talking about viruses in general and you get a virus for whatever reason, you're not like, oh my God, I'm so disgusting. Like, I can't believe I have this virus. Like, ew, like I hate myself. You know, it's like the flu. You're never going to be... um totally cured of the flu. Like that can come back every winter. I don't even know if that's a virus. I think it is. Um, And, you know, when you get the flu, you're not like, oh my God, I'm disgusting. I can't tell anyone like this is super hush hush. But yeah, when it comes to STIs and herpes, it's like, oh my God, I got this through sex. That makes me like a slut or it makes me gross and dirty. And so we have to also look at the way that we think about sex and how that for some reason is just like the worst thing if you get something through sex, but otherwise it's like not a big deal at all. It's just so, it doesn't make any sense when you actually break it down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you just brought up, just brought that up because I was just talking to a client the other day and I was having her go through this exercise of before you found that you had herpes, what judgments did you make about people living with lifelong STDs? And of course, she's like, I don't think I judged anybody with lifelong STDs. So I look at my notes and I'm like, well, you told me you was a fear of rejection. You you feared rejection and that you feared judgment. And some of the judgments that you feared was that someone was going to call you dirty or someone was going to think you were promiscuous. Okay. Oh, oh right. Mm-hmm. So what is so wrong with someone thinking that you're promiscuous? What secret judgments that your shadow self make about people who are promiscuous? And she's like, oh, she was like, she <laughs> it out loud, mm-hmm. right? And I kind of pushed her to come to terms with, you know, be kind of like, we got to face the ugly if we want to heal it. People who are promiscuous are disease walkers and disease transmitters and sexually irresponsible and all of these stuff start to come out, right? Which we all know is not true now, right? Because you weren't promiscuous and you're the one who has the virus and you were the one who were sexually irresponsible at one point, right? So all these judgments that we made for somebody who is sexually liberated, let's 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 touch into that a little bit more. Why were mm. we making harsh judgments on someone who is sexually lib- liberated, someone who is promiscuous? Just because you're promiscuous doesn't make you sexually ir- irresponsible. Just because you're promiscuous doesn't mean that you're walking around with a disease and you're transmitting it to everybody, right? So a lot of the work I do is just unpacking. Mm. So that we can kind of look at ourselves and the judgments that we wait because how we judge others can reveal a lot within ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. She came to the conclusion that, you know, she wanted to be a sexually liberated woman, right? But she didn't have the confidence to be a sexually liberated woman. So she subconsciously made those judgments for other women who could do it Mm. and judge other women who could do it because she secretly wished that something that she could do for herself but didn't have the confidence to do so because she grew up in such a sheltered family who judged women like that so hard 
harshly. So that was like the end of our conversation. But I just love that you brought that up and the stigma around sex because mm. praise you can hear in music. People talk about sex all the time. They talk about unprotected sex. They talk about the different ways to have sex. But no one talks about the consequences of sex. Mm. No one talks about what can happen when we have these unprotected, uh, when we have unprotected sex. No one talks about the people living with these lifelong STDs, even though that we know that they're there. We're not mm. talking about the people living with them. We kind of just act like it doesn't exist. Mm. Why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so powerful. I just continually have goosebumps as you're sharing because I think these stories are so important. It's like, yeah, as you said, like just unpacking, like, why is that? Tell me about that. Oh, I can sense that we're at like a tender topic here. Like, why do you feel that promiscuity is a bad thing? And like, it's really about that de-layering and like, do I want to perpetuate this narrative for me and in the greater community? Like, is that something that I want to uphold? And I know, yeah, it's like, we, we talk about sex and how good sex is, but we don't talk about the consequences of sex. And when we do talk about the consequences of sex, it's like, I'm bringing like sex education up at my school. And it was like, here's this awful photo of like all the things that you can get and don't get this because it's like the worst thing that you can get in the world. And it's really negative and like really fear mongering and very scary. And so it's like, we need to just open up as exactly as we're doing here, like open up the conversation, like talk about the reality of it. What actually is it like? And start to bust a, like a few of these myths. Like it's really not the scary thing that you think it's going to be and I think from there I really want to kind of jump into you know like can you share a little bit about actually how the virus works and like you know say someone who doesn't have herpes and they're listening in and they're kind of coming in from that fear-mongering place of like oh you get it you know it's really bad and it looks like all those images on google and how does it actually what's the virus like how does it actually work in a really simple way Oh, herpes is so complex that it's hard to just talk about it in a simple way. But let me give it mm. a shot. If we're talking about transmission, herpes is transmitted through skin-to-skin -skin contact with the virus's point of entry. So for someone to get herpes from me, they will have to come across my virus's point of entry for there to be a possibility. And even if they come across that area, there's still not 100% chance that they will get herpes from me. Mm. Now, what is a virus point of entry? I experienced, when I was experiencing outbreaks, I was experiencing outbreaks on the left side of my clit, HSV type 1, and then I was experiencing HSV type 2 on the right side of my vulva towards the bottom. Mm. Those are my two outbreak sites. An outbreak site is an indication of your virus's point of entry. So if you have knowledge of that and cre create a barrier between that entry and your partner, then you can potentially protect your partner. But here's the thing. Only 10 to 15% of people living with herpes actually experience outbreaks. So only 10 to 15% of people living with herpes can even know where their virus's point of entry is located. Most people living with herpes are asymptomatic, meaning they show no symptoms at all. So they will have no idea and no clue where the virus has entered their body. Mm. Now, living with herpes is the most contagious during viral shedding. 
An indication that you're going through viral shedding is when you're experiencing prodromal symptoms or you're experiencing an outbreak. People who are asymptomatic, who don't experience symptoms at all, they go through what you call asymptomatic viral shedding. So again, they wouldn't know when they are going through the viral shedding process. Um, as far as where it lives, herpes is a virus that lives in your nervous system, either at the base of your spine, either in your trigeminal ganglion or your sacroganglion. Your trigeminal ganglion is the nerve ending that supports everything above the navel, and your sacral ganglion is your nerve ending that supports everything below the navel. So if you have cold sores, it's attached to your trigeminal ganglion. If you have genital herpes, it's attached to your sacral ganglion. Now, lips and genitals are not the only place herpes can show up. Some people can get it in their eyes, their nose, their fingers, their arms, anywhere on their body. We see it, we commonly see it on the mouth, inside the mouth, on the genitals, inside of the vagina, because it's the more fleshy area. But if there's a break in the skin, then you can possibly have it on your fingers or your arms or on your face. Um, what else? What else can I say? about herpes i'm trying to see my missing maybe anything? i mean you've done such an amazing job already at like talking about <laughs> the science behind it as you're talking i'm like yeah that's such a great explanation of just like what it is scientifically in terms of like I mean, we've spoken about transmission and what that can look like. I mean, I think I'd like to talk a little bit about like living with herpes, the reality of it, like in terms of how quickly it can um, like heal. And um, so, I mean, I'll talk from my point of view. I mean, for me, it's usually about the seven days that I'll get an outbreak for um, and it depends how, how severe the outbreak is. Like sometimes you can have quite a few sores, um, but I know mm -hmm. for me, like the sores don't look like they do on Google. It's like tiny little bumps and they feel quite painful sometimes if it's a particularly nasty outbreak and I've been kind of stressed, um, but it doesn't really look like a traditional cold sore for me. I mean, is it the same for you? Well, it shows up differently every single time. So herpes mm. can look like cluster or smaller bumps. It can look like your traditional cold sore. Herpes can look like a whitehead, an ingrown, a razor bump, a pimple, a paper cut. Sometimes herpes is just redness and swelling and swollen lymph nodes. So herpes shows up differently on everyone. Um, as far as the severity goes, everyone is different, right? Some people have diseases that already compromise their immune system. So a herpes outbreak will probably look a lot worse on someone like that. Um, some people don't have much knowledge about their herpes virus and make their body a place where their virus could thrive. So then they are experiencing outbreaks a lot longer and they're more severe and they're like, what is going on? I don't know what to do, but they're doing everything that supports the virus. Mm. You see, let's, let, me, let me break it down. HIV is a virus that wants to fight the immune system as soon as it sees it. It, 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 it wants to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the immune system, but herpes is afraid of the immune system. 
And as long as your immune system is strong, herpes is going to hide. It's not as brave as the HIV virus. It doesn't want anything to do with your immune system. So as soon as your immune system is working on something else, it's distracted or it's shutting down, herpes is like, now is the time to shine. The immune system is not going to be worried about us. So if you're doing a whole bunch of things that's not supportive of your immune system, you're now supporting the herpes virus. Mm. Also, there's an amino acid that our bodies naturally create called arginine. And herpes virus needs that amino acid in order to thrive. So now if I'm doing a bunch of things that's not supportive of my immune system and I'm eating a whole bunch of foods high in arginine, and I'm like, why is my outbreak here for so long? I've been taking lysine, but you're feeding the virus. It's important that you take the time to learn how it works. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about like stress. Stress, not only does it lower your immune system, but stress communicates to this gene in our body through our ner- nervous system called the JNK gene. The JNK the JNK gene then communicates to your herpes virus directly and tells the herpes virus it's now okay to go through its replication process. So not only is stress going to lower your immune system, stress is going to communicate with the virus and say, now is the time. The immune system is, is not, is not going to worry about you. It's not going to pay attention to you. Come on, let's go party. So it's important that Not only are you doing things that are supportive of your immune system, but on a daily basis, you are practicing how to regulate your immune system. So many different, especially with this herpes virus, right? Someone catches herpes and they relive how they got herpes over and over and over and over and over again. They replay it in their mind. It becomes a part of their personality. Their nervous system goes into this and you have parasympathetic and then you have sympathetic state, right? So it goes into the stress state and it mm. stays there and you're exercising it there. And the body's comfort zone is in that state. You literally make your whole entire body a place where your herpes could thrive. Mm-hmm. Not until you start to pull yourself out of that. And so you start to implement practices in your daily life to, you know, regulate your nervous system and be mindful and get it back to a parasympathetic state. But it takes practice, especially yeah. if you spend days and months, sometimes years in a stress state. You're going to have to be willing to take that much as just as much time bringing your body to a calm state so that you can live a better life with herpes virus. Oh, I mean, sorry, sorry <laughs> you're on a roll, no, keep going. People think like having an outbreak is so horrible. Oh, it reminds me that I have herpes and it's the whole drama about having an outbreak. But I say I love it because it's my body's physical alarm clock letting me know that I need to tend to myself, that I need to show myself some love, that I need to tend to my self-care. Maybe I'm not drinking enough water. Maybe I'm not getting enough sleep. Maybe I'm stressed out. Maybe I need to be mindful. Maybe my diet's all out of whack. My immune system is shutting down. My herpes is literally telling me that I need to pay more attention to myself. That's love. I love that. I didn't have that before I tested positive about herpes. And now I got these symptoms that let me know, okay, Shana, tighten up. Mm. Love you. And I can do that. And I do do it. 
It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's all about perspective. Oh, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I mean, it's so true. It it really is a perspective shift. Before I came to you and your work, I was just like, this thing is evil. It wants the worst for me. And then I realized like, no, this is a canary in the coal mine. Like this thing is saying to me, like, we are not okay. Your immune system is down. Your cortisol is high. You are not looking after yourself. Something is wrong, especially if you're having recurring outbreaks. Like I was for two years, like, you, and you know, that, I mean, this sounds dramatic, but it's true. Like my recurring outbreaks led me to realize that my job was way too stressful for me. And it also led to um, a diagnosis as well, like a mental health thing. And so I was like, okay, great. Like this is helping me see what's missing here. Like I'm putting pieces at play since I quit that job. And I've done something that's less stressful. As I said, like I haven't had an outbreak. And this morning I woke up, I'm about to get my period. I didn't really sleep last night. I start to feel some of those prodromal symptoms. And I'm like, okay, like warning signs from my body here. Hey, we're feeling a bit run down. You need to tend to yourself. And again, as you said, like that's love. It's like, Yeah, I have a little flag now to be like, hey, like you need to slow down. And it's just being an embodiment coach. I have this view that like your body isn't broken. Your body is actually very intelligent and it's trying to give you signals. So like that's how it speaks to us in signals and sensations. Like, hey, I, I, you know, I need you to slow down. And even myself, you know, I was just like resisting it, putting away. This is so annoying. You know, I don't want to deal with it. But when you look at it and you readjust your lifestyle, I mean, so powerful. And as, you, as you're talking, like stress is huge. Like don't underestimate stress. Like I was like in my job still, but I was like eating that low arginine diet. I was like on this perfect diet, no alcohol, no caffeine, no this, no that, like super, super perfect. And still I was getting those outbreaks. So stress is huge. As you've said, like it literally is communicating to the herpes virus to be like, come on, like <laughs> come out now. So like really don't underestimate physical and emotional stress. It's really, really important. I love how you said your body is really smart. I always, I always do this lecture of the, of the power of the mind, the power of a thought alone. Mm. Um, I start with saying that we have an infinite amount of intelligence in the back of our mind, in our subconscious mind. That intelligence is what created these fingers on my hands. That intelligence is what heals my wounds. The doctor doesn't do it. The doctor puts a Band-Aid on it. The intelligence in my mind is what heals my wounds. The intelligence in my mind is what mends my my bones when when it's broken. The intelligence in my mind is what created me when I was in my mother's womb. Before there were airplanes, someone had to believe that people could fly from point A to point B on the earth before that was even a possibility, right? Before there was this laptop or this phone or these applications or this home, someone had to believe in that, think about it and believe in it before it existed, the power of a thought. So if thoughts can create things like airplanes and make humans fly and create computers and create phones and and create our bodies and do all of these things, imagine what your thoughts are doing in your life. Mm. If I say that I'm afraid of spiders, I'm always going to be afraid of spiders. My subconscious mind is going to prove me right. Every time I'm confronted with a spider, I'm going to think of all the horrible things that that little tiny spider that is the size of a dime could possibly do to me, the giant. 
If I say that I don't like onions, I'm always not going to like onions. Every time I taste an onion, my mind is going to look for all the things in the onion that I don't like because I don't give my mind a chance to look for anything good. That's what I say. So I always go back to what are you saying to yourself? Mm -hmm. What are you creating in your life? What thoughts do you have are creating your situation, your now situation, your stress? Your narrative, your perspective, your reflection. It's it, everything starts with our mind. Um, oh man, I'm going off track because I was going on my tangent and I forgot where I was going. It was a thing. beautiful tangent. No, I'm like <laughs> nodding here. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because it's so true. It is so true, you know, like perspective is powerful, you know, and, and it really is about like that education piece, which is why I was like, yeah, talking about the virus and how it actually works and what it actually means. And I've got a bunch of resources I'll pop in the show notes as well. And we're going to get towards, you know, your community as well, because it's such a great place to start. But I also wanted to speak to that perspective shift around like, um, one of my clinicians said like, herpes is really not a big deal. It's like way easier than a lot of those dermatological conditions where you have like thrush or something that just won't clear for whatever reason. Like I know I've had probably every <laughs> gynecological condition that there is at this point. I am no stranger to those things. And I honestly think they're more annoying because with herpes, you know, it's going to clear at least within two weeks or, you know, if you're having those recurring infections, there's something that, you know, that stress component or whatever. But when I had like bacterial vaginosis, I think I had that for like nine months because it was a really subtle strain and we couldn't find out what it was. And that was so much more annoying. And so, and yet like at that time I wasn't like, oh my God, that makes me a bad person. I'm so gross. I'm so ugly or whatever it is. It's just like, it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, you get your period and you can't have sex or whatever. It's just like another thing. It doesn't have to, if you get a herpes outbreak, it's just not a big deal. Like it, it's just a, a derm, it, think of it like you have thrush or it's a UTI or something like that. It's just a bit of an annoyance. It might be a little bit painful, but it doesn't have to mean anything. And I think that's what we're saying here is like, just shift that perspective a little bit. It's, it's going to be vital to shift your perspective if you want to get out of the shame or the stigma mm. of herpes. I'm constantly preaching to my community that peace, you will never find peace in your victim story mm. ever. I don't care how much you hold on to it, how much you want to defend it, how much it became a part of your personality. As long as you tell your victim story, you are always forever going to be sad. It's always going to trigger something in you. It's always going to make you sad. It's always going to make you angry. So at one point, do you want to try to tell your victim story from a victor point of view? Mm. Got to search for it. If you want to come, if you want peace, if you want to come out of it, you have to search for your victor point of view. I, I, I view victimization and even judgment as like a disease of the mind. It's like a parasite in my mind. So every time I even hear myself trying to point the finger or point blame or say somebody did this to me and they made me feel this way and made me do this way, I stop myself. I'm like, hold up. I'm blaming somebody for how I mm -hmm. feel, what's going on in my life. How can I tell this story differently without pointing any fingers? I learned from my friend Euphoria. She said, when you point in one finger, you always got three fingers pointing back at you. Pay attention to the three fingers pointing back at you when you're pointing fingers. That, that is where your peace is going to be. 
That is where your freedom is going to be. I had this in my support group last night and the girl asked me, how do you get over the person who gave you herpes? And when I found out I had herpes, I automatically thought it was my son's father that gave it to me. I told him about it. He was okay. He was supportive. And his support and acceptance told me, oh, you must have gave me herpes. How could you accept me? How could you support me? Right? I'm projecting how I feel about myself onto him instead of thinking, I've been with this man for three years. He loves me. I just told him I was going to have his baby. Why wouldn't he accept me? Why wouldn't he want to figure this out with me? Right? But then I was too stigmatized to think that way. And then we break up when I found out I'm having a son. He moves in on in a different relationship three weeks after. And I find myself being this bitter baby mom, watching their relationship unfold, me going to my appointments by myself, me preparing for my baby by myself. I was extremely depressed. I held on to that victim story for so long. Every time I told my story about my herpes, it came with the, my baby daddy gave me herpes following after it. And it made me mad over and over and over again. And it wasn't until I was ready to let go of that story and say, all right, it's time for me to learn about the virus. I learned that the virus mm. was dormant for years. Oh, wow. And something like pregnancy could wake it up because your immune system ain't really worried about you. Okay. I wasn't requiring to see STD results before having unprotected sex. I never seen this man's STD results. I don't know if he gave me herpes. I didn't know herpes wasn't included in the full panel STD test. I never even asked my doctor to print out my test results to see if I was even getting tested for herpes all this time. I could have been the person that brought herpes into the relationship. Okay. I'm not going to blame him anymore. Mm. I have so much peace in that shift of perspective. <laughs> in perspective, right? Like, I'm not blaming him anymore. I'm not mad at him anymore. I can... I can repair our relationship now. We can co-parent together. He is the father of my son. I don't have to hold that to him. And I don't have to tell this sad story every time I'm talking about my herpes. I don't got to talk about my ex every time I'm talking about my herpes. I don't have to cry and be angry all over again. I found freedom in that accountability. Mm. Me. This is where I showed up. No, it don't matter how he showed up, pointing at fingers. Let me pay attention to the three fingers pointing back at me. When I decided to pay attention to the three fingers pointing back at me, I realized, oh, you wasn't, you was being sexually irresponsible, one. Mm -hmm. You wasn't requiring things that you should have been requiring for yourself, too. You was playing Russian roulette with STDs. You didn't know that herpes wasn't in a full panel. You, did, you wasn't really educated, but you were still having sex. And it can lie dormant in your body for years. So there's that. Oh my gosh. Goosebumps as you told that. I'm so glad that you brought that to this space because it's so true. And I think it's so it's so normal when you get that diagnosis of any STI to be like, ugh, like he gave it to me because like you don't want to be seen as responsible. You don't want to be seen. You Again, you're like putting that onto someone else. Like, ugh, I don't have it. You know, he gave it to me and like, I'm not a bad person. He's a bad person. As soon as we step into that self-responsibility phase and it's like, you know what? So many factors have contributed to this happening and it's happened. I have to accept yeah. that it's happened. I don't want it, but I have to accept it. And so then when the acceptance is there, we open the door to as you say, learning about it, 
to having proper relationships with people founded on like sexual health and good communication. And now, you know, I look back at my 18 year old self and I'm like, oh my God, the situations I would put myself in and the risk I was taking with my sexual health. Now I would never do that. You know, as you said, like, I'm like, give me a panel. (laughs) I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a partnership with my, um, with my partner and we're ethically non-monogamous. And so I, I said to him, you know, sexual health is so important to me now, you know, like I'm going to be disclosing and I want people to also be disclosing. And I think that's where I want to go next is like disclosure is really important. And I, I think we should touch on that in a minute, but also like the other person needs to disclose to you as well. You know, yeah. it's not just about me, like, oh my God, I have herpes. Like, I'm so sorry. Like blah, blah, blah. It's just like, okay, when was your, the last time that you got tested? What are you bringing into this space? How sexually active are you? How many other people are you sleeping with? Because it's not just about you. Remember it takes, you know, if you're sleeping with multiple people, what are they all doing with their bodies? So I think that's something that we forget because we feel so burdensome about the fact that we're bringing herpes. I mean, I'd love you to speak a little bit more on that. I, I don't support disclosure. I, I don't support disclosure at all. I feel like when people come to me and ask me, when's the best time to disclose and how do I say it and how do I go about it? And I say, if you have to ask me how to be truthful and transparent, you're not ready to disclose. Point mm. blank. If you fear the disclosure and you fear the rejection, you're not even ready to date. Don't even put yourself out there because if you're dating from a place of, I need to figure out what's the best way to say this so that this person can accept me, that can, you're dating from a very desperate place. Boom. And when you put yourself out there, you know, desperate for love and desperate for acceptance and your acceptance is not enough for you, you, you put yourself out there to attract narcissists and manipulators, people who can sniff out your lack of self-acceptance and take advantage of that and like the fact that you don't accept yourself. And then you're going to repel from you people that are actually good for you, right? Because they're going to be not attracted to your lack of self-love and your lack of self-acceptance. So if you fear it in any type of way, I, I, I beg you to take a break and learn how to accept this virus for yourself so that when you do go out in the dating world, you're dating from a place of my acceptance is enough and you have to accept all of me or you don't deserve any of me. Point Mm. blank, period. This is a matter of fact. This is just what comes with me. You have to accept this. So I am an advocate for sexual health conversation, just like you said. You know, when was the last time you had sex? When was the last time you had unprotected sex? When was the last time you've been tested? You know, mm-hmm. can I, I, I would want to see your full panel STD test. How do you feel about that? Can we both exchange it to be? It's just a matter of fact conversation. We're supposed to be having this conversation whether we have herpes or not. Mm. So I am just so against disclosure altogether and I'm more for just the sexual health conversation and if you have to ask me how to disclose I'm automatically going to tell you you're not ready today Mm, boom oh my god I mean so powerful and I completely agree with you because I think yeah shame promotes silence and so when we feel like oh my god I've got to disclose but I'm really ashamed and what do I do I mean I've been there before I've been there many 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 times and now I feel like yeah I'm at that point where it's just like 
if you reject me, that's literally fine. Like I could actually care less. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's it's your choice. Yeah, you know, it, it's your choice. And, you know, maybe you're like me and you've had one too many scares and you're just not ready to to kind of put yourself out there. That's fine. It doesn't matter. You know, like you have to be at the point where it's like, if this person rejects me, I would be okay. I would be okay. And yeah, I think that disclosure conversation, you're so right. It does promote like, I'm the only one who has to share and I'm the only one that has something wrong. And actually it's not like that. Everyone needs to come to the table. Yeah. 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 That's just, I want to talk about rejection a little Mm. bit. Right. Mm. And I feel like when you fear rejection, you fear it because it validates how you feel about yourself. So then when the rejection comes, it's like, oh, I am unworthy. I am dirty. Mm-hmm. No one is going to want me, right? And if you want the rejection to change, it starts with you changing how you feel about yourself. My good friend Euphoria always says rejection is redirection. So when you have learned how to accept this virus for yourself, the rejection doesn't hurt as much anymore. Because for me, I don't want nobody who doesn't want me. I'm not choosing anyone who's not choosing me. That is unattractive. I am a whole vibe. I My energy is absolutely amazing. And if you can walk away from me because of something that I can't help that I have, I'm going to open the door for you. I am going to pay for your mm. lift. I'm going to help you pack your bags. You can go far mm. away from me, right? Because I trust so much in who I am that is going to repel from me, who is not for me and attract to me exactly who I am. And I think a lot of the times we fear rejection because we learned how to love ourselves conditionally instead of unconditionally. From the time we are children, mommy and daddy praise you for everything they think is good and then are disappointed with you or tell you don't do that or you shouldn't do that or you disappointed me for everything they they think is bad. All right. It's not necessarily good or bad. It's what they say is good or bad. And we take that on to our adulthood so much so that we seek the praise and we avoid the disapproval. And now it's from society. So you learn how to love yourself only conditionally that way. Okay. I can love these parts of me because society tells me I can love these parts of me, but all of these parts of me, I can't love. They're unworthy of love because society disapproves. But here's the thing. Everything that you hate, disdain, or dislike within yourself were meant to teach you unconditional love. Everything that you dislike within yourself, you have to learn how to hold space for and welcome it and show yourself compassion and learn how to love those things if you want to learn how to love yourself unconditionally. And as long as you avoid those parts of yourself, you're only ever going to love yourself conditionally. And you're always ever going to, you're always going to fear the rejection. It's mm. only going to how you feel about yourself. Yeah. I mean, such powerful words and so, so true. That rejection piece around, yeah, it's like when someone does reject you, it's like, see, 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 I am unworthy now. See, I knew this. I knew that it would impact my ability. You know, I, I remember the first person that I told, uh, um, actually the first person I told was my, was my partner now, if anyone's looking for a happy story. This was eight years ago and I told him and he was like, yeah, I mean, that must be really hard for you, but that's okay with me. You know, do you want to talk about it? 
you know, and we're, we're together now. And the way that our relationship is, is just so beautiful. It's just communication. I'm like, Hey, I've got some prodrome sim- symptoms. I, I, you know, we can't have sex at the moment. And you're just weaving that in and out. But, you know, before I got to that stage, I remember, yeah, I disclosed to someone and, and they, they rejected me. They said, no, like, thank you for sharing, but no, I, I don't want to. And I, I, I had that moment of like, see, no one is ever going to want you now. See, this does impact things. And again, perspective shift. Okay, this person's just not for me. What I have is really not a big deal. And I think the more that we remain educated on that topic, the more that we can really anchor into that truth. And I think as you were saying, like if you're at the point where you're still really nervous to disclose or sorry, not disclose, to talk about your sexual health, you know, that's a a good reminder to you that like, okay, there's some healing that needs to happen here. And that's something that I was going to share is that like, or, or even ask you as well, like, if for someone who's maybe just received that herpes diagnosis, like take some time for yourself away from dating, away from sex, away from everyone else to learn about the virus, to heal yourself and your relationship with yourself before you step back in the, out in the world again. I mean, do you have any other kind of advice or tips or things that you wanted to share for the newly diagnosed along those lines? That part, learn mm. your diagnosis. The more you know, the more comfortable you'll start to become. Mm. So many people stay stuck in the stigma so much and how they feel about having herpes that they don't even give themselves a chance to learn about the virus. I'm getting outbreaks. They're back to back. I hate that I have this. Nobody wants me. But they never stop and say, okay, let me figure out why my outbreaks are back to back. Let me figure out mm-hmm. how this this works let me figure let me figure out why I, I feel this way no one ever stops to do that they just let that stigma take over them and grow and grow and grow and make it a part of their personality so my number one advice is take a break don't date and learn the virus get into the communities talk to other people watch videos Find so many advocates now. When I found out I had herpes, I didn't have any advocates. We didn't have influencers. I didn't have anything. Mm. There's so many things out there for people with herpes right now. Podcasts, YouTube channels, um, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, everywhere. Dive into it and learn this virus so that you can start Mm. feeling comfortable about it so that you don't push it. Mm. So many people, I I, I want to share with you uh, two two stories real quick. Mm. Um, I talked to somebody who's had this virus for 23 years the other day, and um, she has an accepting partner who loves her to even to the point like, hey, babe, I think I'm feeling symptoms. He'll go down there and look and be like, you definitely have an outbreak, that type of partner. But because of how she feels about her virus, she never did the work to accept it for herself. She pushes him away. She doesn't initiate sex. He feels like, or you're not attracted to me. And she's like, no, I'm just not attracted to myself. She can't even enjoy sex because she feels undesirable. So she feels like she's just sitting in it. She fears the transmission because she's never even learned how the virus works. Like, because she didn't do that work, she pushes those insecurities onto her partners. That's just one example. 
So many men come to me and ask me, how do I make my partner feel better about themselves? My partner won't let me touch them. My partner won't let me do this. How do I make my partner know that I'm here to stay and that I accept them? And I'm like, that's something your partner has to do. Your partner has to want to heal. There's nothing that you can do. You can reassure your partner, but that is how your partner feels about themselves. They're always going to project that onto you until they are ready to change, until they are ready to change their mindset. I've even had an anonymous story of a woman come in and say, I married the first man who accepted my herpes virus. Because I'm like, who else is going to want me out of this? And I'm 10 years into my marriage and I'm not happy. I don't even think I would have chosen him if I didn't have herpes. But she decided to be with him because he accepted her virus. Mm. So my advice is to learn about the virus and learn how to accept this so that mm. you don't find yourself in these situations. There's women who are staying in abusive relationships because they're afraid no one's going to want them outside of their abusive relationship. Do not date from a place of desperation. Do not date from a place where you have lack of self-acceptance. I need somebody else to accept this for me, for me to feel better. Don't do that to yourself. Don't put yourself in that situation. And if you're feeling a way about your herpes, work on it. Get, get therapy, invest in coaching, invest in your mindset, dive into self-development, figure it out before putting yourself back in the dating space. It is, it's important. Mm, I mean, those stories are so heartbreaking because it really is an example of like how the stigma, if we internalize that stigma, how it can ruin our lives and how, you know, if you if you believe that to be true about yourself, what, what that can mean for you and, and your life. And it doesn't have to be that way, you know, like since I've had herpes, my herpes diagnosis, I've been, you know, I've had like maybe four or five partnerships and, and every one of them were totally fine with it. You know, some people wanted to educate themselves more on it. Some people did not give a shit at all. You know, if you're with the right people, they're not going to care. There are so many people that won't care. I, I promise you, if you're listening and you're like, who is going to want me? I promise you, there are so many people out there. You just have to find them. Keep working on yourself, as you said, you know, and that confidence shines through when you start to dating. Like people are going to be attracted to that confidence. Yeah. They're going to see that you accept yourself and they're going to be like, why wouldn't I accept that? You know, like l- listen to these mirrors and what's kind of showing up for you. And so I wonder for the people who are listening, who are like, okay, you've sparked my interest. I'm interested. I think I have some more work to do. Like you have a fantastic community um, that talks about things like that. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about maybe where people can kind of come to find your community and work with you. Oh man, I I offer so many things to the community. Um, Mm -hmm. Hey cousins.info. I'll start there. Everything. If you, if you're looking for me, you can start there. Hey cousins.info. I am a coach. I have a coaching program where I help women stop their outbreaks and break free from shame so that they can get laid. Um, I also have a community called Hey Cousins. Um, We do have a private community on Facebook titled Hey Cousins with 3,500 people who all test positive for herpes, except for two. And the two that don't test positive for herpes, they have HIV, okay? So they're part Mm -hmm. of the family. There are second cousins. <laughs> I love that. So, so if, if you're just searching for community, if you're searching for support, you can find me in those areas. I'm across all social media platforms. I'm on YouTube. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Pinterest. 
I'm there. So if you're just searching for that support, yes, you can find me under Shayna Singleton across all pro platforms or The Herpes Goddess. Because when I started my advocacy, that was my name, The Herpes Goddess. I love that. And I'll, of course, link all of that. And you have an amazing free Facebook group, which I'm a part of as well. And it's just nice to see like, oh, I'm like really not alone here. Like every thought that I've ever had, someone else has had it. And there's so many encouraging people in that group who just like lift you up and make you feel better. So I really, I think that's a fantastic way to start. And she has a lot of educational stuff too that you can kind of um, go and look at too. So, I mean, the last question that I have for you, Shana, is like, what is this world that you're working to create? What is this world that I'm working to create? I'm a light worker. My purpose is to uplift souls even when I'm not around. I've always been able to do that. Before I was an advocate, I was a self-love coach and I was titled a self-love coach from the people, not even myself. And my calling is the herpes community. God has given gave me herpes so that I can reach more people than I could ever imagine for myself. So my my world purpose is to raise the vibrations of this earth and to, to bring people closer to themselves and bring people closer to their spirits. Um, I am truly a healer. So yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I mean, I can't thank you enough for today. You're so educated. You're so informed. You have such a beautiful energy. And I just think this this podcast will really help so, so many people. So I just, I really appreciate everything that you've shared today. And I also feel really healed myself. I'm like, yeah, this is a really full circle moment for me. And it just feels like, okay, it's just time to move on, time to get kind of going with my life. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your platform, on your space and help let me even speak to you and speak to your community. You're just helping me serve my purpose in this world. And I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you're doing, your bravery today to speak about your story, how much people you're about to help just by being transparent and open about your own story. You are a rock star. You are awesome. You are meant for beautiful things you are also raising the vibration of this earth and I just want to send you all the encouragement and tell you to keep going oh thank you I want that as a mantra now just in my ears <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> thank you it's been such a